Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of Pride or Die. I'm here with Nick Bradley from the Detroiter, and I am David Pike from the Detroit Lions Forum, bringing you exclusive content, thankfully, through Detroit Sports Nation. How are you feeling today, Nick? I feel fantastic. Um, it's a beautiful Sunday. The sun is shining. The Tigers are losing 6 nothing. so it's business as usual over here. How about yourself? Oh, I mean... It's Texas. It's always hot and miserable down here, but hey, c'est la vie. (laughs) There you go. So I'm so glad to have you back because, man, there's a lot to talk about this week. A lot of uh, interesting stuff going on in the news, and we'll start off with a spicy topic, especially because, thankfully, 97.1 The Ticket always comes up with some really spicy commentary to talk about. And obviously, this one's no different because somebody had to make the suggestion about the Lions potentially being trade partners for quarterback Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. So I got to ask your thought process on this. Do you think that this is a good idea or not? What are your thoughts? Oh, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's just such a ridiculous thing. What Lamar Jack? the Ravens are going to just give away Lamar Jackson? What is that even? What What is this? What are we even talking about? So I don't know. I haven't heard the 97-1 clip. I don't know where they're, like, drawing this from. I can't imagine the Ravens would ever get rid of Lamar Jackson unless they know something we don't, uh, which doesn't seem to be the case. So I guess as far as, like, the trade actually happening, it seems ridiculous. But if it was a possibility, yeah, I'd like him to play for Detroit. Like, I would, I would prefer to have him over Jared Goff. I'd prefer to have him over most of the quarterbacks in the NFL. So that'd be great. I think it'd elevate the ceiling. The offense we've talked about so much would only get better. We'd be talking more and more about the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers would be waking up in cold sweats. The Chicago Bears would be filing for bankruptcy. A lot of great things would be happening. Um, I just don't – like, what universe do the Baltimore Ravens give away Lamar Jackson? I don't, I don't know. I'll tell you what universe. It's called the Madden universe. Somebody yeah, makes some exactly. crazy trade – for in Madden to make this work. Now, I'll just be honest. I'll do I did a little bit more background on this. So, the basic premise for the trade option or the trade suggestion comes from the fact that it seems that Lamar Jackson is disgruntled because there has not been any contract of how should I say it, progression in terms of him getting a new deal. And to be entirely mm-hmm. honest, it kind of makes sense because Lamar Jackson is one of those players. He does not have an agent to do his contract negotiations for him. He mostly does most of his work through his mother. His mother is kind of who he goes to and talks to and goes through all that, which I'm not going to say anything negative about a guy's mother, but I would think if you're a professional football player, you would probably want to have a professional agent handling your business. Just saying. Now, (laughs) that's fair. here's Here's the thing. Lamar Jackson playing with the Lions. Here's the problem I have with this. The first problem is is that, number one, the offensive scheme, the offensive set that we have right now is not built for Lamar Jackson. It's not built for him at all. This offense is built for a pure drop-back passer. And let's, let's just be entirely honest here. Lamar Jackson is anything but a pure drop-back passer. He is a scrambling quarterback who can throw. The, the best analogy I have for him is he's a running back who can throw because most of his damage, most of his production is done running the ball, not necessarily throwing it. I'm not saying he can't throw, but he's better as a runner than he is a passer, in my opinion. Now, here's the thing that kind of bugs me about this. You trade away Matthew Stafford. 
last year. You get two first-round mm-hmm. draft picks. You get a third-round draft pick. You get Jared Goff. You finally actually get the pieces that you need, the ammunition that you need to actually effectively do this rebuild. Now you've got some lunatic, some nut job who wants to say, hmm, let me throw a monkey wrench in all this and let's completely throw caution to the wind and go and draft, or sorry, not draft, trade for Lamar Jackson. Okay, let me back this thought process up here a minute. What did Deshaun Watson have to get traded for to go from Houston to the Cleveland Browns? Which, by the way, that's looking to be a bad trade, in my opinion. Just saying. The point <laughs> yes, of the matter early is, on, for sure. Yeah, but the point of the matter is, is that the Browns had to give up three first-round draft picks, and if I recall correctly, a second and a third, just to get Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson has legal problems. Lamar Jackson has no such thing. So, yeah, let's talk about the asking price for Lamar Jackson. It would be astronomically out of this world. There's no way, unless you had just draft picks on draft picks, you could make that trade work. So, here's the thing. Does the idea intrigue me? Yes, it does. But is it practical? Not in any sense of the word. There's no chance in this lifetime or the next Lamar Jackson is coming to Detroit. Not unless he just says, I want out of Baltimore by all means necessary and becomes a free agent. And even if he becomes a free agent, I guarantee you Detroit is not the first location he's thinking about coming to. I guarantee you he's going for a playoff or a Super Bowl contender, which most of those are out in the AFC, not in the NFC. That's fair. I, I will say this, though. Um, the reason it's never going to happen, like you said, is we're not going to give up 500 first-round picks for them. Like, it's just we're not going to do it. And Baltimore Baltimore will ask for literally everything that you have to give them to you. So that for that reason, it's never going to happen. But I think if he went to free agency, maybe this is a little bit of the homer in me. I don't know. I feel like he'd at least take a look at Detroit. Because like you said, the offense we've run and the offense right now isn't built for Lamar. It's built for Jared Goff. They could not be more opposite types of players. But a couple things. We've been praising Ben Johnson left, right, and center. If he's the wonder kid everybody says he is, right, if he's smart, if he's aware of his surroundings, if they got Lamar Jackson, he'll make some tweaks. He'll figure a couple things out. We'll insert a triple option package. He'll go study the Georgia Tech playbook. We'll figure something out and make it a little more conducive to Lamar. And when you watch Lamar with the Ravens, you talked about how well he does running the ball himself. Their offense, they just run the football. And then every once in a while, Mark Andrews leaks out and he's wide open off the play action. We've talked about the offensive line. We've talked about the high hopes we have for DeAndre Swift in the run game. Lamar, I I feel like if they catered the offense to him, which they would be foolish not to, I think he could do some damage. We got an O-line that should move people. They should be able to move the ball or run the ball. He should be able to run the ball himself. We've got TJ Hawkinson. We've got other wide receivers. Like, I think it would be a very, very, very fun little ride if he opted for free agency and if he considered Detroit, which then would bring upon the last, I guess, like a hurdle in the road, which would be, all right, you, now you have to pay him $40 million or whatever he's going to ask for, which sucks undoubtedly that sucks but if you're going to draft a QB like when we go into this draft and we're looking at maybe a CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever you're praying you're praying you're on your hands and your knees every night before bed with your chakras sitting there going 
I hope these guys are half of what Lamar Jackson is. That's the thing. You're praying that they're half of what Lamar is. So if you had the chance at getting Lamar himself, it's like beggars can't be choosers. That's how I feel about it. Unrealistic, but it'd be cool. No, and I I agree. The thing with the, the thing though is I just don't think it's a practical standpoint because think about it this way. Let's just say hypothetically the Lions were somehow interested, which let's be fair here, they're not. Just because of a practicality mm-hmm. standpoint, they're not. But let's just play right. devil's advocate here. Let's just say they were interested. That would mean they'd have to trade both their first rounders next year. They'd probably have to trade their first rounder for the year after that. And then they probably have to trade Jared Goff in that package, which means two things. Number one, you're giving up three first-round draft picks for the next two years, which means you're putting the rebuild effectively on hold for the next two years. Then on top of that, you're going to be taking on $30-plus million of dead cap because of Jared Goff's contract. I'm sorry. Lamar Jackson is a phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal athlete. But is he worth all that, in my opinion? No, because let's understand something here. This rebuild, it's in a great spot, but Lamar Jackson is not going to complete it, not by a long shot. The defense still needs a lot of pieces. We still need to get uh, linebacker help. We still need some more depth depth pieces on the offense. As far as I'm concerned, again, while Ben Johnson could add tweaks to it, again, trying to insert a quarterback this late in the offseason, it's just not smart because you've literally laid the offensive foundation for Jared Goff. They're going to ride with Jared Goff. That's the way this offense is built. Trying to do that midstream of the offseason, you're asking yourself for trouble. Just just saying. Again, it's a yeah, nice thought. Fair. It's a nice thought, but is it practical? Is it an option that could actually happen? Um, not unless you have an infinite thought with the almighty that would be my that yeah would be my opinion. no it's it's highly a, unrealistic oh beyond highly unrealistic there's not a prayer there's not a snowball's prayer and you know where but with yeah, that, let's go. get into the next spicy topic here because we're not done yet we got another spicy topic so one of our uh i would say our competitors as far as airtime woodward sports neil rule from woodward sports believes that Panay Sewell is destined for a gold jacket and the Hall of Fame. Um, I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on this extremely premature uh, enshrinement from Neil Rule for uh, Panay Sewell? Build the, build the bust right now. Let's get the sculptor working. <laughs> Somebody hit him, the, the bat phone, whatever you got to do. Send him a fax, send him mail, whatever it is. Get that sculptor on speed dial. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like the uh, – who knows? What is he, like 20 years old? He's played one season in the NFL. <laughs> I don't know. He's good. He had a great rookie season. I know when he came out, I remember everybody, all the draft experts, everyone's going, this guy, if there's one surefire Hall of Famer in this class, it's this Penny Sewell out of Oregon. Everybody. Oh, he's the, he's a surefire. He's a surefire. If he plays – like if, if last year is his baseline and he only gets better and he can stay healthy, then yes – he probably will be a Hall of Famer. I don't know. I mean, injuries are happen to everybody all the time. Who knows? Football's complicated. I don't know. I like Penna. I have high hopes. I hope Neil Rule. I hope you're right, pal. I'll just I'll say this again. I hope he's right too. But like I said, this is extremely, extremely premature. You're absolutely right. Number one, he was a rookie last year. He was a 20 year old rookie last year. Mm-hmm. which means at best right now he's 21. 
I like yeah. Panay Sewell. I love Panay Sewell's aggressiveness. I like his work ethic. There's not a thing about Panay Sewell I don't like. But the problem is, is that we've heard this song and dance. We've heard this from so many analysts over the years. Oh, this guy's a, a for sure Hall of Famer one day. For sure Hall of Famer. We heard it with Ryan Leaf. We heard it with Rick Meyer. We've heard it with so many different players over the years that these guys will for one day be Hall of Famers. You can write it down. You can book their ticket, and it turns out to be a disaster. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Panay Sewell, but it's like, listen, I like your enthusiasm, Neil Rule. I really do. But if you honestly think that after one season, a guy of any caliber, I don't even care if it's Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase, you don't start saying Hall of Fame after one season. That's just not something you do because number one, you're you're kind of uh, putting yourself in check with the football god, so to speak, to uh, kind of knock <laughs> on wood there because I guarantee yep. you somebody somewhere is going to be like, oh, well, you've now jinxed this dude. You've now potentially set him up for something coming <laughs> his way that's not good. Again, I just think that it's nice enthusiasm. I like the fact that Neil Rule is confident in Panacea, just like I am. But, dude, slow your roll. Like, just pump the brakes here a little bit. Like, come on now. I love Panacea. But Hall of Fame, and he's only after his rookie year. Like, come on, man. Like, what in the thunder? Like, what? Yeah, it's impossible. What, 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 are, you, what are you on? I have to ask the question. Like, how many shots of espresso are you having in your coffee in the morning? Are you doing Dan Campbell shots over here? <laughs> it's impossible. I mean, like injuries. He could be the greatest offensive lineman who's ever lived, and he could destroy his leg next year. Like, it's just football's impossible to predict. Matthew Stafford's been in the league for like 13 years or whatever, just won a Super Bowl, and people are like, maybe he's a Hall of Famer. He has all kinds of records, the youngest to this many yards, the youngest to this many touchdowns. And people still are like, eh, maybe, maybe. Like, he's had an unbelievable career. Penny I mean, Sewell played one season. He's a shoe-in? I don't know. I mean, the way I look at it is this. I mean, to get into the Hall of Fame in and of itself is a remarkable feat, number one. That takes mm-hmm. continual years of not only steady progression, but excellence. Penny Sewell yes. played one year, and you're trying to already enshrine him into the Hall of Fame. It's like, dude, slow your roll. Like, seriously, slow your roll. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Slow your roll, Neil Rule. Slow your roll. Now, well said. with that Now, with that being said, let's go to the mini camp so to speak and we're going to talk about a specific player since we talked about Lamar Jackson coming to Detroit. Let's talk about the quarterback we currently have in Detroit and that is Jared Goff. Now, the thing is Jared Goff obviously has gotten a lot of coverage. He's gotten a lot of talk because obviously when he got traded in last year after Stafford was traded away, that was one of the big things. And obviously one of the things that a lot of people were wanting to pay attention to was how well he was going to look coming into his second year in Detroit. Well, apparently there's been a lot of good reports that he's looking confident. He's looking in command of the huddle. Dan Campbell himself said that he has no red flags, that he's he looks confident and everything looks good. So here's my thing. Do you think Jared Goff has his confidence back? Do you think he has that moxie about him back from what he had back in the L.A. days? What do you think? Why not? I got no reason to believe he doesn't. I mean, listen, 
I'm in love with the guy's girlfriend. So there's rule number one of Moxie. Great, hot girlfriend. He's got that checked off. Two, at the end of last season, perhaps the most important part of last season is the last eight games. Jared Goff was, like, pretty solid. I would imagine coming off week 17, he went home for the summer and was like, I'm I'm sweet at quarterback. People may have forgotten. I may be, hell, I may be forgot. I'm sweet at quarterback. I think that helped him out. Again, he did great things in L.A. He's played in a Super Bowl, which people forget. Um, the situation around him's only gotten better. He's only getting more familiar with the staff, with Dan Campbell, et cetera, et cetera. Why not have the confidence? I would imagine Jared Goff coming into this season, not only him, but the team, everybody in Detroit, I would imagine the vibes are higher than they've been in a really long time, since like the first year of Patricia, probably. Just the general feeling around the facility. And Jared Goff, probably the highest he's felt since, I don't know, L.A., like the second to last season in L.A., something like that. So I'd imagine he feels pretty good. Well, I mean, I, I absolutely think he does have his confidence back. And that's not just me as a fan saying that. I'm just basing it off of what I've read, what I've seen, those things. Because let's let's take a look at the facts for what we know, number one. Number one, the Lions did not select a quarterback, which that right there shows that the Lions are confident in Jared Goff and they're going to give him a fair, sh- fair chance. That's number one. Number two, as we've already talked on this show, Ben Johnson sat down with Jared Goff in the spring, watched film with him, and said, listen, what can we do to make this offense successful for you? Which means Jared Goff has his own personal hand, his own personal investment in this offense. Number three, Mm -hmm. the summer that you were talking about, Jared Goff brought out the receivers to to Cali to to, uh, run drills with him. He brought out St. Brown. He brought out DJ Chark. He brought out Reynolds and spent a lot of time working with them. And we're already seeing that in the mini camps, like the connection he has with these guys, the chemistry, it's off the charts. So when I take a look at all of that, and then I'm hearing that Dan Campbell's saying there are no red flags. I've got no problem with him. He looks good. He's faster than what he was last year as far as processing information. I think Jared Goff has probably got the same level of confidence that he had back in the 2017-2018 era because... At that point, everything was going great for him. He had nothing to worry about. He had no concerns, no problems. It was sky's limit. And realistically, that's what he's got right here. He's got an offensive coordinator that's working with him. He's got a deep wide receiver core. He's got a great offensive line to work with. There is no reason why Jared Goff shouldn't be confident. And if he's confident, again, one of the things we've heard from players that have worked with Jared Goff, Aqib Tlaib said it, Khalif Raymond has said it. They're like, listen, When he's on his game, when he's confident, there are seldom other quarterbacks that are better than him. And again, I've said it before. One of the things about quarterback, you have to be be right up here. This two square feet of real estate, if you're not right up here, you're not going to be in a good place. And if Jared Goff is in a good place up here, the results are going to show on the field. We just have to wait and see for it to happen. But I think we're in a good spot, and I think he is too. Yeah, I, I agree. I There's no reason not to be. And I hate that I'm about to say this. I feel like an asshole. I feel like it's a groundhog day. I feel like it's a groundhog day of every single season I get to this point. And it's honest to God, talking about Jared, like not even trying to be biased. I'm sitting here like, he's got to feel great. I feel great. Like the only thing, the only negative, if you even want to call it that, is there will be more pressure to win games this season. But that's more so like once the season starts, you, you'll you feel negative effects if you aren't winning. Right now, how can you not feel great? You would think they added more talent. 
everybody you got to believe is feeling better. Like they're more, they have more faith in Dan Campbell. They have more faith in where they're all going. They're more comfortable with each other. The chemistry, like you mentioned, how could, how can you not feel great right now about the lions, which is crazy to say, cause I say it every year and they're the Detroit lions. So I don't know, but I feel good. Absolutely. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. That's the measure of faith. The, yeah, the, uh, as the always. Things unseen. But we'll <laughs> see what happens. Again, uh, I have confidence, God. and apparently Dan Campbell has confidence. We'll just have to wait and see how Jared Goff and the rest of the yeah. offense and Lions do. But that's not the only group that is having a good spring. At least, well, Jared Goff's not a group. He's a player. But another group, another set of players that's having a really good spring is the wide receiver core, which that in and of itself is a funny yeah. thing to say, considering last year our wide receiver core was barren as the Sahara Desert. Like, trying to find anything was, like, ridiculously bad. We had next to nothing mm-hmm. to work with. But now it's like, oh, it's now an oasis. Like, dude, there's talent everywhere. And the reason uh-huh. I say that is because two of the guys that we didn't get to see a lot of last season, one because of injury and one because – he just really didn't have much to show for us because he hadn't been developed enough was Quintus Cephas and Trinity Benson. And these guys, from what we've been hearing, they have just been balling out in minicamp. They've been making catches. They've been separating themselves from the rest of the wide receivers. They've been looking very, very good, which here's the thing. When you consider the fact that this wide receiver core has Jam- Jamison Williams, DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and then you get to Quintess Cephas and Trinity Benson, you're looking at a very, very deep wide receiver core. So I just have to I just have to ask you this question. Out of all these wide receivers that we currently have on the roster, which one do you think makes it? Because there's gotta be somebody that's not gonna make it. Who do you think makes it? I think Quintez will make it. I feel like he's been pretty good. He hasn't done anything that is like super prominent for us yet. I think he's been pretty solid, though. I think he'll make it. And then those other guys like Reynolds, Chark, Jameson, I think are just locks. Like they're just a given. Um, Amon Ra as well, obviously. So I think those guys are guaranteed to be on the team. Trinity is probably on the chopping block. Hate to say it. Probably a great guy. Probably on the chopping block, though. I just don't see, like you said, like too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I get your analogy. I truly do. The way I see it is this. The Lions are probably going to carry six or seven wide receivers going into the season. That's just smart because, obviously, we all know DJ Chark's injury history. There's a good chance he's probably going to get injured at some point. And it's always (laughs) good to have extra insurance in the wide receiver room. Yeah. But here's the thing. When I take a look at Trinity Benson, the Lions traded for him. They would have to say they would have to think that listen, obviously we were wrong or we just are not seeing as much return on investment that we thought we were going to get to cut him. In my mind, here's what I think is likely going to happen. I think they keep all the guys we just mentioned, including Benson, and I think they keep Khalif Raymond to to kick and punt return primarily. That's going to be his job because let's understand something last year. Khalif Raymond, he had over 500 yards receiving, and he was one of Jared Goff's top targets, which <laughs> that's almost like a <laughs> – that's a laugh in and of itself. Like a guy that's been – he, he was solid, returner. though. He was he solid. He was a solid Don't guy. Wrong. Yeah. He's solid, but here's the thing. 
if let me ask you this question, let me put it in this phrase: Would you rather have Jamison Williams catching passes or Khalif Raymond? Oh, I mean, come on, yeah, obviously Jamison. <laughs> That's my point. Like Khalif Raymond is one of those guys. Like you only want to use him as a last resort, which was really right weird if you have to. Yeah, yeah. So in my mind, it's like, listen, let the guys that are actually wide receivers that are supposed to be going out there and catching passes like Jameson Williams, DJ Chark, Reynolds, St. Brown, Cephas, Benson even, let them go catch the passes. Keep a guy like Raymond who can, who has shown he can catch passes, be that seventh guy on the roster, that seventh wide receiver, and let his primary job be kick and punt return. Let that be his job. And keep somebody around to be competition, whether it is Godwin Iguabuke, or maybe even you keep Khalil Pimpleton on as a kick and punt returner. These are things to consider. But again, when you consider all the wide receivers that we have, somebody's going to get axed. And I mean, like I just said, some guys you might consider might be Tom Kennedy, Khalil Pimpleton might be. I mean, somebody's going to get the axe, unfortunately. And it's just a matter of who's going to be the unlucky the unlucky person. Yeah, someone's getting axed for sure. Um, but like you said, a lot of injury problems. So who knows? We might keep a good amount. Jamison's not going to play right away. Yeah. Chark, who knows? <laughs> like they'll... That's unfortunate. Yeah. I would love to see Jamison week one, but that's looking highly, oh, highly my. unlikely. That would be so sick. Yeah, it's not going to happen, but it would be so yeah. badass. God. It, it is. <sighs> let's, not, let's not dwell on that negativity. Let's end the show on a high note. <laughs> so... Here's the thing. We talked about Ben Johnson in the faintest sense when we were talking about Jared Goff here. Now, Ben Johnson in his own right has gotten a lot of media coverage, which is kind of odd to say because for the for a while, it was the defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, that was the media darling of the coordinators. Now it's yeah. like there's a, it's kind of like they're going back and forth between who's like the flavor of the week, so to speak. So here's the <laughs> thing. A lot of the players in the media sessions last week we're talking about how Ben Johnson is a very brilliant. He is a very intuitive uh, offensive coordinator who comes up with a lot of complex schemes, but he has an ability to communicate with the players and break it down and simplify it for them. So I just have to ask this question based upon all the things we've talked about already about the offense, Jared Goff having his confidence back, this deep stack wide receiver room, this out of the world offensive line that we have. You now add Ben Johnson into that little mix. I have to ask you this question. How good do you think Ben Johnson can make this offense be in his first year? Sky's the limit. I don't, top 10, top 5. Sky's the limit. Honest to God, I really think so. I mean, injuries, again, obviously always a factor. But sky's the limit. They kind of turned it around a little bit. We already talked about it at the end of the season last year. So many pieces to get the ball to. The strength is the offensive line, which is – the best part about this team in general, they have backs. Jared Goff, when he has time and has open receivers, can find those open receivers. I Dan Campbell seems like the type of guy, too, who will go, hey, Ben, you're a genius with this stuff. Like, do your thing, bro. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put a leash on you. Like, it feels like this offense should be able to score points from week one to week 17 without any single problem. It sounds like they should be able to run the ball if they feel like it, throw the ball if they feel like it, maybe a reverse if they want to, a little QB sneak, whatever. They should be able to manhandle everyone they play. 
So the sky's the limit. Again, it's like, I don't want to sit here and crown them already when we've had problems. And again, you know how I feel about golf where I'm not like, I'm not sitting here going, he's going to do no wrong this year. Like he'll have his games, I'm sure. Um, But I do think the sky's the limit. And then you factor in Ben Johnson, apparently is the smartest guy on earth. How, like, how could you sit here and go, they won't be any good. I don't think it's possible to do that. I just, I look at it this way. The offense last year, despite the injuries, despite the lack of overall talent, despite the fact Jared Goff was brand new in a new system, new city, new head coach, new offensive court, new everything, it was still mm-hmm. a middle-of-the-pack offense. Lower middle end right. of the pack, but it was still a middle-of-the-pack offense. Now, take that all in perspective. You then add the offensive line is fully healthy. You have an offensive coordinator that not only is willing to work with his quarterback, but build the offense around him. You then have arguably one of the best one-two punches at running back with a nice third punch in Craig Reynolds on the side. And you have a deep receiving core that also includes the likes of TJ Hawkinson, which is probably a top 10 to top five tight end right now. So it's like, okay, you have all that together. I'm not going to say that the Lions will, but what I am going to say is they can, and there is no reason why we shouldn't believe that the Lions can be one of the best offenses in the league this year. Because let's understand something. They're playing the second second easiest schedule in terms of travel, number one. Like, they have the second least amount of travel yards out of all the teams in the NFL, number one. Number two, compared to their schedule from last year, This is a cakewalk. This is a cakewalk of a schedule. Like, honestly, the hardest games on the schedule they have this year, obviously, the Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys, uh, the New England Patriots, the Eagles are going to be a fun one. Um, And again, you've got maybe one or two other teams on there that are going to give them some fits. But other than that, the majority of this schedule, very, very winnable games. Most of these teams that they're playing – are in rebuilds of their own, and they just got done with their first year or they're starting their first year, so they're a year behind us. So in my mind, it's like, listen, there is no reason in my mind that Ben Johnson cannot get this offense into a top 10, top 5 consideration conversation. And if that happens, Jared Goff, he'll be back next year. The offense will be kept together for another year. We can use those first-round draft picks in 2023 draft to continue to build the defense, to get more pieces, so that way we can be a more complementary and complete team. If the offense does what it's supposed to do and what everyone thinks it will do, then this team is well on the road to finally actually getting a good established rebuild and maybe winning a playoff game sometime before we die. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. It is like an offensive coordinator's wet dream, though. I mean, you don't have (laughs) – you don't – like, you don't have a guy that – running the QB spot that it's like he does everything. It's like you look at San Francisco, Jimmy G, Kyle Kyle Shanahan probably loves that. You have everything you need. If you're so great at your job, Ben Johnson, if you're so good at calling plays and molding an offense to who your quarterback is – the offensive line, you could have anybody back there. You have the wide receivers, anybody could be back there. Running backs, anybody, anybody can play quarterback. If you are good at your job and you understand game planning and stuff, like this offense is, there's nothing to complain about. 
the only thing you could complain about is I don't have Patrick Mahomes dodging five tacklers and throwing a bomb. Well, then are you that great at your job or is Pat Mahomes just great at his, right? It's like if you're great at offensive coordinating, there is no excuse. The way I see it is this. If Pat, if Jared Goff, with all the talent he has around him, can do exactly what he did in 2017, 2018, then we're set. We're set yep. for the next six, seven, eight years before we even have to consider anything else. Provided, of course, Ben Johnson stays here as well, which, again, that's another topic in and of itself because it seems like a lot of the guys that Dan Campbell has on his staff could be destined for being head coaches one day. But it's a great thing, we'll talk, great problem to have. Yes, it is. But we'll talk about that at another time. So with that, we have come to yet the end of another episode of Pride or Die. Now, here's the thing, folks. We will probably not be having another episode on Sunday because me and Nick will be most likely taking some vacation. We don't know that for 100%, but we want to make sure to keep you guys aware of it before we signed off. But with that, thank you for watching yet another episode of Pride or Die. I'm David, and this is Nick, and one pride, baby. Pride or die. Pride or die. <laughs> I just love the chant. Absolutely. Peace. I'm a kid and you know I be on the way